You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, and we are back with another full game preview, except it is just me today. Something popped up for Matthew late last night, so he was not able to join me today, but we will get him back on the show next week. I'm looking forward to having him, but today for this game preview, it is just me, and hey, that's okay. You hear me talk enough, so you get to hear me a little bit more, but we're going to get into a lot today. Some of those General Ravens news notes and quotes once again after an eventful practice on Thursday, as well as the offense and defensive game previews will go each segment by segment. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any podcasting platform that you can find us on. Be sure to follow us there. Get those notification bells going. We release new podcasts Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. So you can get it in time for your drive to work. As well as follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOstriker34. You guys are going to be experts at spelling my last name. O-E-S-T-R-E-I-C-H-E-R is how you spell it. So let's just get right into it. Starting off with the practice report, first of all, we have to start with Lamar Jackson here, winning the FedEx Ground Player of the Week with his performance in Week 6, 152 rushing yards, one touchdown, averaged 8 yards a carry in that game against the Bengals, and that goes hand-in-hand with his award that he won in Week 1, winning the FedEx Air Player of the Week against Miami, those 324 passing yards, those five touchdowns, and of course, that 158.3. In other words, perfect passer rating. So with that, Lamar Jackson cannot stop breaking records. In the 17-year history of the Ground Player of the Week award, he was the first QB ever nominated, and since he won the Ground Player of the Week, he is the first ever player in NFL history to win both the Air and the Ground Player Award in the same season. I mean, this kid, what can't he do? Literally, I think he can do anything. I think that he is going to do everything he puts his mind to. He works hard for it, and the records just keep on coming for Lamar, and I do not expect them to stop. This is getting me excited for the future. I mean, you look at a guy who's in his second year in the league, 13 career starts. The floor is here for Lamar Jackson, and the ceiling, I mean, goes through the roof, through multiple roofs, through a 10,000 story building for Lamar Jackson. I can't speak highly enough of this guy and just I'm so happy that he's our quarterback both from an on the field perspective and an off the field perspective. But getting into the practice report, let's look at who did not practice yesterday, starting with Hollywood Brown once again with that ankle injury. Now that he hasn't practiced Thursday, it's starting to get a little iffy here because John Harbaugh said, look, if they're going to go through practice, they're going to play. But if they don't go through practice, then it's likely they're not going to play. And I mean, that makes sense at any standpoint, from any standpoint you look at it from. But now that Hollywood hasn't practiced two straight days, if Hollywood does not get out there at least on a limited basis on Friday, I do not expect him to get the green light for Sunday. Same with Patrick Owasso. He was also not out there yesterday with that ankle injury. And it's the same thing with Hollywood. Two guys who you really want on the field against Seattle for different reasons. Hollywood can spread the field. Make sure the Seahawks have to spread out their defense and not stack the box. Seattle's a very interesting place to play. The weather can be very iffy there, very wet, very rainy. So if that's the case for Sunday, the Ravens are going to want to have to play to their strengths and run the football. But it's going to be hard when Hollywood isn't on the field because it's just a matter of Hollywood is that deep threat. He can run 40 yards down the field, thus requiring safety help. And thus, the running game gets 
better because they're not an extra player in the box. However, if Hollywood is not able to play, heavy doses of Miles Boykin. I think Seth Roberts gets extra snaps. Maybe we'll even see Jaleel Scott. He didn't get any run in the game against Cincinnati with Hollywood out, but maybe this is a different game plan. Will they need also across the middle? Mark Andrews, heavy dosage. I think that Hollywood is going to try his best to suit up. I think he'll get a limited session in today on Friday with that practice. Same with Owasso, but with Owasso, it's a little less pressing because Josh Bynes and LJ Fort looked so good against Cincinnati, and I'm excited to see what that combination can do. They bring different skill sets, both veteran, savvy guys. We saw LJ Fort defending passes, defending linebackers, Josh Bynes reading screens, reading runs well. So I'm excited to see what those guys can do, and even if Patrick Owasso comes back, I think Josh Bynes is entrenched as that Mike linebacker. Owasso will probably play the will, but... Kenny Young is now gone. He's in Los Angeles. Chris Board, I think, has lost most of his snaps. So I think LJ Ford is going to be the one to be that third rotational linebacker. And I could not be happier with that based off of the value they got for those guys. Also not practicing for the Ravens. Brandon Williams had a vet day, but Maurice Kennedy and Anthony Averett also did not practice. Maurice Kennedy with that hamstring. Again, this is where Marcus Peters comes into play. He's a pivotal part of this defense already, and he hasn't even taken a snap. The funniest call to practice had to go to Ravens defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, saying on the availability of Marcus Peters, quote, he said he'd let me know by Friday if he's ready to go with the whole thing, and I said, just lie to me and tell me that you are, and we're just going to play you. Exactly what I was talking about yesterday, with Maurice Kennedy not being able to go. The Ravens are out six defensive backs. I think that Peters is going to have to play 70-80% of the snaps because Jimmy Smith will not be able to go. And the Ravens just don't have any better options. Anthony Averett is on the injury report, and even if he's not, he might be inactive. And even if he is active, he hasn't been very strong this year. So Marcus Peters brings a skill set that is very hard to find. The Ravens love the guy. And Marcus Peters is a very intelligent kid. He apparently spent three hours with defensive coaches on Wednesday night getting up to speed with the playbook because we all know that Wink Martindale's scheme is extremely difficult to master, and so Peters wants to get ahead of the game, and Peters is a competitor. He knows his team is 4-2. He knows his team is in control in the AFC North right now, and I'm sure he knows about how tough the schedule is. But what we get in Marcus Peters is insights not only to the Rams defense and offense, but also into the Seattle offense and then the San Francisco offense because Peters has played against the 49ers offense. Peters has played against Russell Wilson firsthand. And so that's going to be valuable for him to, to really bounce his knowledge off of these coaches and off of his teammates now. And I think that that is an underrated part of acquiring Marcus Peters, but obviously not nearly the most important one. Number one, his talent and his ball hawking prowess. In limited fashion, Jimmy Smith practice, also Ronnie Stanley. Great news for Ronnie Stanley. He should be good to go on Sunday, just like John Harbaugh said. And with Jimmy Smith here, I think that He's just taking it slow with his knee injury. I think that it's going to be very tough for him to play this week against Seattle. He mentioned having the bye week in his press conference yesterday. I believe that Smith is going to play against New England after that bye week. But for now, it's just getting the game back to him and being able for him to be confident in that knee and play like he's at 100% and play as 100%. We want Jimmy Smith to be 100%. We don't want to trot him out there 80% just because we can. We want him to be 100% because that is when that Ravens defense actually comes into play and becomes that elite unit. But Jimmy Smith also had a very positive mindset about his injury, saying that it is very frustrating, but, quote, everything happens for a reason. Who knows, maybe we don't get Marcus Peters if that all didn't happen. Maybe we win a Super Bowl because of all this. 
end quote. And that's the mindset that I love. Jimmy Smith coming out of Colorado had a little bit of character concerns, got caught up in the law a few times, but ever since coming to Baltimore has been an exemplary pro, especially with the injuries that he's had over the years he's been in Baltimore, and this is just another example of how high character he is and how he cares about his teammates, not just himself. He doesn't want all these accolades, he just wants to win. And with the Ravens having four cornerbacks, that probably means Jimmy Smith's playing time gets cut. It means all these guys playing time gets cut because they're going to be in a situation where Don Martindale is going to want them to be rested and ready to play in the fourth quarter. So I think that while Smith's playing time might get cut, this is going to be the best situation for the team. Next, we're going to be getting into the full game breakdown between the Ravens and the Seahawks. But before we do that, Peloton is offering a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to one-peloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. Also, do you ever find yourself wishing that you could make some extra cash with your NFL knowledge? In my bookie, they want to make your dream come true this season. Right now, all players are invited to play the free $50,000 Survivor Contest. Winner takes all. Pick one team each week to survive the longest and you can take home $50,000 in cash. Make a successful deposit with my bookie and you'll receive a free entry into the contest today. If you join right now, my book, you will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On to double your cash. Visit mybookie.a-g today. You play, you win, and you get paid. Welcome back to Locked On Ravens. Kevin Oshak is still with you here, and we're going to get into now our full game preview of the Ravens at Seahawks game, starting with the Ravens offense, and you got to start on the Ravens offense with Lamar Jackson every single time. The second-year signal caller. 1,507 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 5 interceptions. Also has a 64.5 quarterback rating. That ranks 6 in the entire NFL. And you can't forget about him on the ground. He has 69 attempts for 460 yards and 2 touchdowns. That's 6.7 yards per carry average. And the stat that blows my mind is if you eliminate kneel downs for Lamar Jackson, he would be leading the NFL in yards per carry for quarterbacks running backs receivers whoever you want Lamar Jackson will be the number one runner in the NFL and I know there'll be a few people who'll be like oh don't say that that means he's a running back that means people are just gonna say he's a running back but I disagree with that for one reason and that's because quarterbacks can run that's something that can happen Lamar Jackson still is a quarterback I mean his passing stats prove that he has 11 touchdowns compared to five interceptions really should be one interception side note but anyway Lamar Jackson is on pace for numbers that nobody thought were possible in a second year out of somebody who was very unpolished coming out of college, thought he would have a few years behind Joe Flacco, and then was thrust into action. Lamar is a guy who now has an offense built around him. He now has weapons to complement him. And this is what should be happening with Lamar. He should be growing. And that's exactly what I've expected from him. And the weapons that Lamar has, he's not working with absolute stars at his position. He doesn't have a Travis Kelsey. He doesn't have an Odo Beckham. doesn't have an Ezekiel Elliott. But he has very good players, and they're young players. I mean, Mark Ingram's a veteran, but then you have Gus Edwards, Hollywood Brown, Miles Blinken, Mark Andrews, etc., etc. And so, as Lamar continues to grow, his weapons will grow with him, and that's that chemistry that I love. And it's just growth. It's a competitive rebuild. The Ravens are in a great position to win the AFC North right now if they can get through this tough seven-game stretch, at least four and three. But even if they don't, even if they go three and four, they still have a good chance to make the playoffs here because the AFC doesn't look as strong as the NFC this year. And really, the AFC is pretty wide open. I mean, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and the Patriots are the Patriots. But then after that, 
there are a lot of question marks, and I think the Ravens can really propel themselves to be the third team in the AFC starting this week against Seattle. And with that, it all starts with the running game, and it all starts with the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Ingram, the best free agent running back this offseason to be picked up by a team, in my opinion. Le'Veon Bell's a star, but what Mark Ingram has done for the Ravens has been unprecedented. And his 87 carries of 424 yards and 7 touchdowns has been a welcome, welcome thing for this team. He's averaging 4.9 yards per carry. He's a guy who is fun. He's a guy who is a hard runner. And I think that that's going to be very pivotal for the Ravens because they need to wear the Seattle defensive line down. They need to wear Jaron Reed down coming back off of that six-game suspension. They need to wear Bobby Wagner down, who was an all-pro linebacker. K.J. Wright, a solid constant next to him. I mean, the Seahawks' defense isn't what it once was, don't get me wrong. But they still have solid players, and I can't forget about Jadavian Clowney and Ezekiel Ansah. We talked about this with Corbin but the Seahawks' pass rush has not been great this year. They only have 10 sacks, which is actually one sack behind the Ravens, and we all know how iffy the Ravens' pass rush has been this year. The Seahawks ranked 26th in the league with 10 sacks, the Ravens 24th with 11. So I think this is the battle of the potential of the pass rushes. Which pass rush is going to live up to their potential? We'll get into the Ravens' pass rush in the next segment. But for the Seahawks, it's a matter of making sure that if Jadavian Clowney is going back and forth between Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown based off the scheme the Seahawks run, I feel a lot more confident with Ronnie Stanley, of course, because he is currently the number one pass-blocking tackle in the league. Orlando Brown, as I mentioned yesterday, has been very good for a second-year player. He has had some rough spots here and there, but I think that he can match up well with Jadavian. He can overpower him. Orlando Brown has sheer size, and while Jadavian Clowney's a big pass rusher with speed moves and can use his swim move effectively as well as his spin, I do believe that the Ravens' offensive line can hold up with Jadavian Clowney, it's, but the real test is on the inside. Jaron Reed, the pass-rushing defensive tackle out of Alabama, for the Seahawks is now coming back from a six-game suspension. After only having one and a half sacks in 2016 and one and a half in 2017, he burst onto the scene in 2018 for Seattle, having ten and a half sacks from that defensive tackle position. Now that seems like a nightmare for Matt Skura and Bradley Bozeman, and to make things worse, Ziggy Ansah, who was a very proven pass rusher in Detroit, came over to Seattle after having shoulder surgery and is now pretty fully recovered. Only has one sack this year, but we know how dangerous he can be. So I believe that this game is going to be won and lost in the trenches, not only in the run game, but based off how Skura and Bozeman and even Marshall Yanda can respond to having these big boys who can rush the passer and generate pressure from the inside on them. But let's talk finally about these Ravens receivers. We're not going to get into Hollywood Brown this week. While I do think he plays, it's important to talk about the people who are going to play. And I want to start with Miles Boykin. Boykin is a guy who only has seven receptions this year for 76 yards and two touchdowns, averaging 10.9 yards per catch. Against Cincinnati, he had two receptions for 28 yards, including that amazing 18-yard slant play over the middle where he plants in his foot and made that Bengals defensive back turn around on route to getting down almost at the 10-yard line of the Bengals. That's that potential that Ravens fans and the Ravens saw in Miles Boykin coming out of the draft. And I believe he can capitalize on that. Lamar is starting to gain a little chemistry with Miles Boykin. And I believe that will start to flourish over the course of the season. And really starting into week 10, week 11, week 12, that area. Because with Hollywood Brown, if he doesn't play, Miles Boykin is going to be relied on to be a deep threat pretty much. I mean, Boykin can run, and we saw he can block as well on Lamar's touchdown run. He bullied that defensive back into the end zone and then just walked away like it was nothing. I mean, that's that nonchalant 
but he knows he did something. That's that prowess that I love out of these receivers. Also, Seth Roberts, two receptions for 23 yards. Roberts is a guy who's flown under the radar a bit. Spencer's talked about him in my episodes with him. Seth has nine receptions for 106 yards, and I believe that he's actually a guy who can do it all. He's able to run slants, but he's also able to go deep. Lamar has developed a good chemistry with Seth Roberts, and Seth has actually caught three quarters of his targets. So I think that if Hollywood is not able to play, Seth Roberts would be the biggest beneficiary who's not named Miles Boykin. I could call Mark Andrews a beneficiary, but I think that he's getting enough targets of his own, enough catches of his own. On the year, Andrews has 34 receptions for 410 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he's one of the best tight ends in the league, only in his second season out of Oklahoma. But this is going to be a tough matchup for Mark Andrews because he's going up against Bobby Wagner, going up against KJ Wright. The Seahawks have strong safety play as well, headlined by Tedrick Thompson, who's been holding down his position in the defensive backfield for the Seahawks and I believe that Andrews will have a tough time against the Seattle defense so look for guys like Hayden Hurst to come out and have a big game here Hayden hasn't really had a lot of success this year but I believe with Andrews commanding all this attention I think that this might be the game for Hayden Hurst to really break out, really do his thing. Hayden has hands that are very underrated. He can snag the ball away from his body in ways that I haven't seen tight ends do it in a long time. You look back to Dennis Pitta, Todd Heap, those type of guys. So I think Hayden has a lot of potential here to have a big game. Defense, defense, defense is what we've got next, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostrecker is still with you here. And we're finally going to get into the defense, talking about, first of all, this pass rush. The Ravens, I mentioned, ranked 24th in the entire league with 11 sacks. And that's not what the Ravens really have gotten used to over these last two decades here. I mean, you have guys like Terrell Suggs, Adelius Thomas, Jared Johnson, Elvis Dumerville, just to name a few of the great pass rushers that the Ravens have had. And I believe that... This has to get better. I mean, Matthew Judon is a talent who's going to get paid. He only has four sacks this year. Pernell McPhee, another guy who's a great veteran who came in and is providing a steady presence, only has three sacks. And I think that those two are going to turn it up even more. Those seven sacks that the two of those guys have, McPhee and Judon, that's 64% of the Ravens' total sacks. Almost two-thirds of the Ravens' total sacks are coming from two guys. That can't happen. The Ravens need to have Tyus Bowser step up, have Jalen Ferguson step up. Those guys are people who are going to mature as the year goes on, as their careers go on. Bowser's a little different because he's been in the league a bit longer. But Ferguson is going to get more snaps. John Harbaugh said that he's going to continue to earn and earn and earn. So I believe that with Jalen Ferguson's bull rush ability and his ability to also set the edge, he's learning how to do that, and he's actually looked pretty promising. I like what I see out of Jalen Ferguson, but I think that against the Seahawks, who Dwayne Brown hasn't been practicing for the past two days, might be out. George Fant, who has not been good this year, is now coming into the game to replace him. The Bengals' offensive line was bad. The Seahawks' offensive line is better. But with Dwayne Brown out, that Pro Bowl tackle... The Ravens need to capitalize on that, especially because Russell Wilson is dangerous out of the pocket. But when you let him sit in there and just carve apart the defense, I mean, he'll take that 10 times out of 10. And trust me, he can do it. He's playing at an absurd rate this year. His stats are out of this world. I mean, looking at him this year in 2019, he has 
1,704 yards, 14 touchdowns, and no interceptions. He has a 79.3 QBR, which is ranked second in the entire NFL. I mean, this is the definition of an MVP right here. He's playing at an MVP level. This is going to be the Ravens defense's toughest test of the season because Russell, quite like Lamar Jackson, is a dual threat quarterback. While Russell's known for his arm a bit more than Lamar Jackson is, Russell can extend plays, make plays with his legs. You think you have him sacked in the pocket, and he just escapes and picks up 10, 15 yards. A lot like what us Ravens fans have been seeing with our man, Lamar Jackson. So it's going to be a, maybe a little bit of a taste of our own medicine. But the Ravens are going to have to play a lot of QB contain with Josh Bonds with Patrick Owasso to make sure that Russell cannot get out of the pocket there. They also have Chris Carson, who is a very quality running back. He had 24 carries for 124 yards and one touchdown last week against the Cleveland Browns. Overall this season, Carson has 118 attempts for 504 yards and two touchdowns. That equates to a 4.3 yards per carry average. This is where the Ravens are going to need Brandon Williams, going to need Michael Pierce, Chris Wormley, Jihad Ward, the guys to take up multiple offensive linemen and make guys like Josh Bynes, hopefully Peanut if he plays, LJ Fort, let them get into the backfield untouched, get some losses. Also guys like Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters is a very good run-stuffing cornerback. So is Marlon Humphrey. Both guys wrap up when they tackle. And then, I mean, you can't say enough about Chuck Clark and Earl Thomas. I mean, the whole run game is going to be a big factor for Seattle. Seattle likes to run the ball. Against Cleveland, Seattle ran 38 times compared to 33 passes. So this is really looking like it's going to be a matchup between two running teams. But that's not to say Seattle doesn't have receivers. Tyler Lockett this year has been great. He has 35 receptions for 454 yards and three touchdowns. DK Metcalf, who was linked to the Ravens in the draft, has also had a very good year. 16 receptions with 336 yards and two touchdowns. He's averaging 21 yards per catch. The Ravens cannot allow him to get into the open field. Earl Thomas is going to make sure to limit those big plays. Seattle knows how Earl Thomas can limit those big plays, so I don't expect a big game stats-wise from Earl Thomas because I think that Pete Carroll is going to do everything in his power to point out number 29 on every single play and just say, do not throw it on that side of the field. Do not throw where Earl Thomas is. And that's what teams have been doing all year this year. That's why Earl Thomas only has 12 total tackles. Because teams just know how good of a player he is. Teams know that he can flip the field with one single play. So I believe that Seattle is going to avoid Earl Thomas. I do want to get into the secondary. We just got into it a little bit. But I want to talk about Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and Brandon Carr. How these guys are going to line up on Sunday. With Jimmy Smith still out, it's going to be Brandon Carr in the slot, I believe, and then Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey on either Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. They'll probably alternate, but if I was Don Martindale, I'd probably put Marlon Humphrey on DK Metcalf for the size. I know that Corbin said that Tyler Lockett burned Marcus Peters this year. But I think this is a Marcus Peters revenge game in that regard. I don't think you can put Marcus Peters on Metcalf just simply because of the size. Do I think Peters could do it? Yes, but I think it will be an easier time for Marlon Humphrey to shadow DK Metcalf and make sure he's not a factor in the passing game because Metcalf is a speed guy and he's extremely huge. He's a freak athlete. can do a lot in the open field. So let's just make sure he doesn't get in the open field. Let's make sure Marlon Humphrey is on him for the entire game, making his life miserable. Then in terms of Tyler Lockett, Marcus Peters can keep up stride for stride because Marcus Peters is bigger than Tyler Lockett. And so I think that in the Ravens' man coverage scheme, when they play man, 
Tyler Lockett's going to have a very hard time matching up with Marcus Peters. And then you have Earl Thomas. You have Chuck Clark. Chuck Clark is very, very instinctive. He'll probably be wearing the green dot for the second week in a row. So I overall think the secondary will perform very well. Actually, regardless of how the pass rush plays, I know Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. So there will probably be a few decently big plays given up. Don't get me wrong there. But I do believe that the secondary will do well on Sunday. Finally, for my score prediction, I've been saying it all week. I do think the Ravens fall here 28-24 to against Seattle. Again, the secondary plays well. I think Lamar Jackson plays well. But I think this is just going to come down to the trenches. And I think that with Jaron Reed coming back, he will give Matt Skur and Bradley Bozeman fits. I hope not, but that's just what I'm feeling in my gut right now. Also, I believe that the Ravens' defensive line, I don't think they're going to get a push this week. I believe that Jihad Ward was a good addition but I don't think he's enough. I think that the Broncos might be selling on Von Miller, and that might be a situation where the Ravens use Jimmy Smith's cap hit to say, all right, Denver, we'll give you Jimmy Smith's salary and draft capital to take Von Miller. So we'll see what happens, but I think the Ravens do fall in this one because of the lack of pass rush and with the return of Jaron Reed. Those are my predictions. When we get back on Monday, we're going to be getting into our full game breakdown of the Ravens at Seahawks games. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you on Monday.